Hello, Hello everyone, everyone. and uh, welcome to a belated episode, episode of the Teamwork A Better Way podcast. I'm Christian Napier, delighted to be joined by Spencer Horn, who, Spencer, you're not in your usual dig, so tell us where you are. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm coming to you live from Las Vegas. I'm here uh, watching my four grandchildren. And uh, my daughter lives here with her husband, and and uh, so I, you know, I have some some different setups, and so you got a little sun in my face, and and uh, but I'm I'm so excited to be here. It's so beautiful. The weather is beautiful. Uh, air is clear. Going out and enjoying the Red Rocks. Well, that sounds fantastic. I mean, here in Salt Lake City, the sun has come out, but it is very very cold. Uh, last time I checked, it was 19 degrees here. Uh, so. It's very, very chilly. I, I suspect it's a little warmer there in your neck of the woods. Yeah, it's uh, we're, we're only 40 in the morning and it'll warm up, but it'll be just perfect to, to just get out and enjoy, enjoy the sun. But, you know, I, I miss the snow. I have to be honest. I mean, I like getting away, but I'm, I'll be happy to come home. Well, it'll be waiting for you when you return. It's not going anywhere because it's too cold to melt. Uh, the snow is just not melting. But we've got a fantastic guest lined up today, and I really appreciate his flexibility because we've had to move some schedules around uh, because we're just very, very busy people. So, Spencer, why don't you take a moment and introduce our guest, who you've known for a long time. Yes, that's right. Today we have Ryan England, who is also very, very busy, and the fact that we were able to get him and he worked with our with our crazy schedule this past couple of days is is absolutely phenomenal. Ryan and I met back in two thousand and eleven. Um, is that right, Ryan? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bring you on here. Yeah, uh, it was, it was two thousand eleven or twelve. Yeah, so it, it's it's been a while, and uh, Ryan is you know someone who is really focused on helping companies create culture so that they can attract and, and hire the best people. I want to share a little bit about about his bio, but I wanted to tell, you know, I want, Ryan, I want you to tell the story why you got into this because I think it's it's, it's really fascinating. But but Ryan is a, a, truly a force in uh, disrupting how people hire and, and, and recruit. And, you know, he, he calls himself a disruptive new wave. I love that, Ryan. And when he speaks, you're going to sense, you know, this particular energy maybe you don't always hear. And because he is leveling tradition, love that. And he's completely revamping the way business owners across the country think about the next hire. And he's passionate about supporting small business. And, and what's happening is the word's getting out, Ryan. It's not just small business. I mean, it's medium and large businesses as well. And I want you to talk a little bit about what got you into this. But um, he's going to talk about one of the, the, the single most effective ways to grow your business, and that's really through, through quality hires. He is a certified PDP professional using ProScan surveys to help his clients understand the behavioral dynamics of the people they are hiring and learn more about the, uh, you know, learn about how they're going to impact the culture and the culture is going to impact those new hires. And, you know, he's, uh, since 2011, Ryan has been the CEO of the, his company Core Matters, and and it focuses on the issue of high turnover, and you know, and high growth for for organizations, along with really what businesses need to to fill those open positions, 
and not simply fill them systematically, but fill them with quality frontline workers. And it's such an important issue, Ryan. And you know, I see the impact almost every day of organizations that A, are not filling uh, spots that need to be filled. And, and what does that create for the people that are lifting the extra mm. weight with, uh, with those gaps, right? Yeah, yeah sure. sure. Um, yeah, a lot of a, a lot of things we could talk about. There's so much out there that needs to be solved. I don't know if we're going to cover it in 45 minutes, but uh, hopefully we'll bring some good value uh, to the listeners today. Uh, yeah, but you yeah. Know. So yeah, just tell us why you got it. What what got you excited about doing this? I mean, what did you see growing? You know, whatever in your formative years that said, "Hey, I want to yeah. go help companies hire." You know, I grew up in a blue collar household. My dad was in manufacturing, and he was an owner operator. And I remember that he would work these crazy hours, six days a week, 12 hour days, 15 hour days sometimes. And I, I didn't know any better at the time. I was like, my dad's a hard worker and it takes a lot to run a plant. And I remember going down after school some days with him to the plant because we had to run back down there or go in there on the weekends with him. And I thought I was hanging out with dad. Well, he put me to work. And what I realized is as I got older is that it wasn't that there was just too much work to do. It was that my dad didn't have enough of the right people. And it wasn't, I mean, hiring's always been difficult and they call it work for a reason. And if we're not doing the right things to attract people into the work we need them to do can be a real challenge. And uh, so as I got older and I realized that my dad was, it, it wasn't a bad place to work. He just didn't have the skills or the knowledge and how to really recruit and hire people. So I did like any good son would do. And I said, I'm not going in the family business, <laughs> I'm going into corporate. And I went and I saw in corporate that they didn't do it any better, but they had something that most of these small and medium businesses didn't have, which was a defined process to help them recruit and hire. And it, it was just a machine. I remember there were some days I'd literally interview a hundred people in a day. It was exhausting, but they had a machine for getting people to apply. So when I started my company and I realized that most small businesses were struggling with the same thing my dad was struggling with, and it was because they didn't have the skills, they didn't have the process, no one taught them how to do this stuff. That's when I developed the Corfit hiring system to teach them these things. Because what I've learned is most people don't go start a business because they wanna work 90 hour weeks. They start a business because they want more for their family, they want more for themselves, they've got personal goals. And these businesses just suck them dry because they're not able to bring on enough people. Well, I've got a question for you, Ryan. So you start this thing. You know, now, some small businesses may not hire people because they just don't have the cash flow to do it, but others might sure. have the they, they might have the financial means but then aren't doing it properly. So as you looked at your own family experience, you looked at the corporate experience, what was the one thing, maybe they were doing many things wrong, but what was the one thing that you saw that was really impeding their progress when it came to recruiting and hiring talent? They, they think, think of, of recruiting, recruiting as, as an, HR an HR activity. activity. It's, about it's about getting, getting people. people. And, and what they, what really, they really need to do, to do and this, and is, this is, what is what they don't, don't do, which is why it doesn't, doesn't work, work, is they don't, they don't look, look at recruiting, recruiting as a marketing, marketing activity. activity. 
they need they to become, become attractive, attractive to the people they, they want, want to attract. attract. And if they, if don't, they don't do that, do that they are they always going to struggle to recruit. Hey, Spencer, you're muted. Well, the, the button said I wasn't, so I'm getting confused here. Sorry. <laughs> you know, Ryan, that, that, that's, that's really important. It's not just an HR uh, function. It's an entire organizational function, and it's, it, it's really changing a mindset. Can you talk just a little bit about that and, and, and how you do that? And what's the biggest struggle that you see in helping your clients make that shift? A lot of questions in there. So I, I think that... <clears throat> When they think of it as a marketing activity, you can't just take the job, the job description, description that, that your lawyer, lawyer built, built for HR, for HR. <clears throat> excuse me, that says, this is what the person needs to do, a bulleted list of all of the activities and tasks. Because at the end of the day, if I'm a machine operator, I know what a machine operator does. Remember, people don't leave jobs, they leave people. We've all heard that before. So if that's, if that's the, case, the case, we need to put ourselves out there and talk about our people and our culture and our leadership styles. And those job postings we put out there should not be what legal wrote for us or compliance wrote for us. They need to be something marketing wrote for us. And we really need to just change the way we think about the way we attract people into our business. And I would say the hardest thing for them to do is to get out of their own way. Uh, anybody that's worked with small business owners before, they know that often the, the, the leader, the owner of the company is, is too involved in things that they're not experts at. And they need to get out of their way and trust their people to make it happen. And so as you're working with the, those CEOs, how, do, how are they doing with that? Are you, or do you feel like they are trusting their people? And, 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 and if not, I mean, what's... What's the impact if they don't? Well, the impact is going to be different for everyone, but I would say for the most part is it inhibits growth. So if your goal is to grow your company or even <clears throat> scale your company, it's going to get in the way of your ability to do that. So <clears throat> trusting people is really, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a long process, but what I, what I coach our clients on is give them something that is that you would normally not trust them with but there's low impact if they mess it up and see how well your team performs and watch how the relationship evolves over time. And you can start trusting them with more and more stuff. Would you walk us through Ryan? I mean, what is it that, that you do when you come into an organization? How do you get them to start hiring the right people? I mean, really that's the, the focus of today is hire yeah, better yeah. people faster and, and, and really, you're, you're, our teams deserve to have the best people. I mean, how, so, so what's your process? Walk us through that. Yeah. So it goes back to that idea that if you want good people, you have to be attractive to good people. And what's happened is so often people just look at what the competitor is doing or they read the newspaper or they go online and they see what everybody else is doing. They just go do that. And if recruiting really is marketing, just like in any good marketing campaign, you have to stand out. You have to be different. You have to be noticeable. And if you aren't implementing the things that you need to do to do that, you're going to get lost in the crowds. You know, the internet was great for business because it leveled the playing field. 
all of a sudden as a, a company of 500 employees, I could now compete with a company of 50,000 because the internet really leveled the playing field for everybody. I could have a better website. I could be more, uh, have a better message towards my customers. It also leveled the playing field for recruiting. But what happened was we forgot this idea that recruiting is marketing and we just put all of our efforts into the job boards, the Indeeds, the monsters, the career builders, the glass doors of the world. And what the job boards did was they made the playing field not level anymore. Now it's who can spend the most money. If I'm going up against Amazon, who has a $5 million a month recruiting budget, I, I mean, that might be more than my revenue for the whole year. And they're spending that just on recruiting in a month. So I had to be creative. I have to be a little scrappy and figure out how can I get in front of the people that I want to attract without having to compete against those giant corporate budgets. You know, that's a, that's a really important point, Ryan. I, uh, I know of a, of a tech company uh, based in Massachusetts with uh, operations in, in India. There's probably, what, three to 350 employees. And for a time, they, you know, they, they experienced some uh, advantages with the internet. But then with, with, with COVID and the work from home revolution that happened, now what was happening is you, you talk about the Amazons, the, the Amazons and, and uh, just the you know, Microsofts and, and all these major organizations were able to reach out and, and take away those advantages. So now it is about, you know, you, you're, you're recruiting against these, these huge organizations because they can go anywhere. And, and so, you know, you say that it brings you an advantage, the, the internet did, but it also kind of got taken away pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and more than 90% of job searches start online. And if you're somebody, if you think about the job seekers journey <clears throat> and they haven't switched jobs in a while, odds are they're gonna go search where they know to search. They're gonna go to Google, they're gonna go to a search engine and they're gonna type in tech jobs and whatever Google ranks is what they're going to land on. So indeed will be on that list. Glassdoor will be on that list, but so will other large enterprises who have put a lot of effort into ranking high for those keywords. And you need to compete with that. And for a lot of people, what they do is they compete on the job boards. And I look at job boards as being the local fishing hole right? That, that everybody goes to. And every once in a while, the fishing hole just is tapped out and there's, there's no more fish biting. Ryan, I, I've often heard that say, I've, I've often heard it said that you're in those places, you're looking for the best of the worst or the cream of the crap. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, who goes to job boards? If you're a job seeker, you go to a job board because you're unemployed or because where you're at is so bad, you're going to go looking for a job. I mean, if you think about the experience, three out of four job seekers say that looking for work is one of life's most stressful events. No one's going to willingly do that unless the pain of change is less than the pain of staying the same. So it has to be so bad. They have to be so behind on their rent or they have to be, it has to be one of those things that they are literally making themselves sick going to work for this company every day that they're going to go on the job boards. And if that's where we choose to compete, we're going to get the people that are bringing baggage, that are not employable, that don't want to work, don't have good work ethics. And every once in a while, you'll find a good one there. 
But what I would encourage you to do is get off the job boards and go find your own fishing hole, the one that nobody else is fishing from. And there are so many ways to do that, especially when you get involved in grassroots campaigns or you get involved in the local community or even start targeting people differently online. So Ryan, why don't you give us examples of some of these unknown fishing holes? I mean, I appreciate the fishing analogy. I loved to go fishing when I was a kid. Uh, so, and, and the last thing you wanted to do is be fishing where everybody else was fishing. So yeah. where are some of these hidden gems, some of these uh, fishing holes that most people don't know about? What are some examples that you've had with yeah. some of your clients? Well, I would say the easiest one, and this one everybody's heard of, but nobody fishes it correctly, is the employee referral program is the easiest, least expensive, fastest way to go fishing in a different fishing hole than you've done before. But the problem is only about 6% of employees are actually gonna refer for money or recognition. So if you think about that for a second, most employee referral programs are built around some sort of cash reward. But 94% of your people are not gonna be motivated by that. So you need to flip the way you think about employee referral programs and understand why people are actually going to refer. They're gonna refer because they wanna work with their friends. And if you look at Gallup's engagement survey, they have a question, do you have a best friend at work? And people that say yes to that question are more likely to be engaged than those that don't. So it's so important that they work with their friends. But if we're constantly focused on, hey, we're gonna give you money if you go and ask your buddy to quit their job and come work here, well, they're not going to jeopardize the friendship for that. You know, I have a, a little cartoon that I put together that is two guys walking together and one guy's all beat up and he's in a cast and he's on crutches and he goes, I know that your wife is still mad at me for that last crazy idea I had, but if you quit your job, my boss is going to give me 300 bucks. Like that's what we're asking people to do when we offer a cash reward for employee referral programs. So you need to flip the way you think about them and then also equip your people. They're not recruiters. They don't know how to have these conversations. Teach your people how to have this conversation so that they want to have it. So they start bringing more people into the business. Ryan, how do you get, I mean, what's the attitude that executives have about recruiting friends? I mean, are they excited? Do they want to, to, to bring that to that dynamic to the workplace or are they resistant to that? Two, two schools of thoughts. There's the, oh yeah, every time I get a referral from someone that works here, they're amazing. And the other school of thought is, yeah, they're amazing until one of them leaves, then all of them leave. So, um, so I usually go after the second thought more because let's just change the way we think. People are going to leave you. It will happen. People grow, they outgrow you, you outgrow them. It will happen maximize the time that they're with you. And if that's your focus, not on them leaving, but on making sure that it's a quality relationship while they're here, they're going to stay so much longer. You know, I, I so love really that. I, I really love that thought. And, and you know, it's, it, it's the same thought that goes into, should I train my people? What if I train them and they leave? Well, what if you don't train them and they stay, right? I mean, that's a, <laughs> you know, similar thought is that you can't allow that thinking to, to control how you approach your, your business. 
you know, my, I, I look at my son's experience and he's, you know, he, he's in he's in university and he's doing summer sales. And yet he switched companies this summer to work with, uh, you know, a, a mission companion where, you know, he served, a, a, you know, a, a faith-based mission for two years. And they have this great bond and this great trust. And he's really excited to be working and they're recruiting their friends. And it's a it's a powerful, powerful tool. So... Um, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but so why do we keep incentivizing people with the wrong incentives? It's easy. I, I mean, most people are lazy and, and they don't want to get creative and they don't want to do something different. And um, it's easy. <laughs> I mean, that's the bottom line. Well, if I'm listening to what you're saying correctly, uh, this this notion of uh, high uh, recruitment as marketing uh, extends past the hire date because basically what you're doing is involving your employees in that effort, and uh, that along with some other things would help uh, potentially you retain your people longer. I I, I was having a conversation uh, with a colleague here locally the other day who does some work with a manufacturer who told me that. Last year, uh, they lost 50% of their engineers. Hmm. You know, they were coached or you know, they left for other reasons. And uh, that also puts a tremendous burden on hiring because you got to replace 50% of your workforce. If, yeah. if, you had, if you had this kind of marketing mindset, this is what I'm kind of inferring here is if I had that marketing mindset, not just with my recruits, but I also had it with my employees, um, maybe the chances are I could hold on to a few more of them and I maybe wouldn't lose 50% of my workforce. Yeah. We use a lot. I use fishing analogies and dating analogies in a lot of the work that I do. Um, think about how well it would go if, and I, I use this. So the recruiting, when you're getting out there and you're becoming attractive to job seekers, that's the equivalent of dating. And the interview process is the equivalent of getting to know each other and going through that. And you know, I always tell people, most people don't get married after 15 minutes on the first date, but so many businesses make an offer after a 15 minute interview. And then three weeks later, they're disappointed because who is this person? They're not who I thought they were. And that carries through to, to onboarding. So think about the onboarding process as we're moving in together. We're in the honeymoon stage. How good do you think that relationship would be in a year if you moved in together and you said, all right, hey, let me know if you need anything. I'll be in the other room. Uh, there, there's some resources if you need them. I'll, I'll see you in 90 days and we'll do your first review. How well do you think that relationship would, gr would grow or would it become stale? Would it become toxic and people would run like crazy? But we yeah, I love that. Yeah. Sweetie, there's food in the fridge. Help yourself. Yeah. Have yeah. fun. Wait, I got an open door policy. If you need me, I'm in the back room. <laughs> but that's, how, that's we treat, how we treat recruiting. Well, and, and we have to be careful not to take that too far with that with that analogy. With uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the here's the, uh, the the challenge. So how do you date the right people? I mean, to use your analogy, I mean, how do you find the right people so that, because I, I, I think it's it's right. I mean, I use, you know, both of us use the, this ProScan tool. And one of the things I, I want to know is, are people showing up as they do on a first date or who they are when they're married? I want to know what people are like when they're married, not how they're showing up on yeah. the first date, because they're always showing us the best side, right? When, when they're coming on that first date, 
And then when, uh, you know, once the commitment's made, you know, who they really are emerges. So what's your process for that? Well, the, the first thing is going back to the, the dating analogy, like if we're going to become attractive, uh, if, if you haven't changed your look in the last decade, which a lot of companies have not, and you are going out there to a completely new market, I mean, Gen Z's are in the market now, right? Everybody has to remember millennials are now in their 40s. <laughs> so let's stop thinking about millennials as the kids. Um, but you've got this whole new generation in the marketplace that wants things done differently. They want to be communicated with differently. They want to be, uh, they want to be swooned differently. They want all of that. So we need to look first inward and say, what do I need to become in order to attract the modern workforce? Because I need to be attractive to them if I'm going to get them to not only want to show up and, and so I can hire them, but also so I can, they can stay. So that's the first piece. The second piece is understanding how they want to be communicated with. I can't tell you how many times I run into a career website where it's download our application and fax it to us. That still happens. Most of these people in the modern workforce, they have not seen a phone with a cord, let alone a fax machine. So why are we asking them to scan or fax something in, in paper when we're in a paperless world now? And most people don't even have access to some of those old tools. So you have to change your process so that it's easier for them. Text messaging is a great example. If you're struggling to recruit and you're only emailing, well, if their inbox looks anything like mine, they're getting 100 emails an hour. Yours is getting lost in that mess. But if you text me, I get an alert right away. I can respond to you in a couple of minutes. And the expectation is I can respond with an emoji and that's okay. <laughs> I don't have to put together some long drawn out process to reply to you. So we have to become very in tune with what the market wants from us. And I, I'd say a lot of employers are just way behind the curve on that. So does that mean I have to start using Snapchat to recruit? I think Snapchat's dead, but um, yeah, I, I, I mean, TikTok is one that we definitely talk about a lot. Um, for recruiting. Well, how do you do that? How do you use TikTok to recruit? What do you think? I, I, the question I always ask is, what do you think that your target market wants? The type of person that's going to be the right employee for you, the person that's going to fit in your team, fit in your culture, going to communicate the way you want. How do you think that they would want to be communicated with? And then go create that. So if you think about the the bombardment of information that we have in, in our modern culture uh, some studies have shown that in 24 hours we get advertised more to than the greatest generation or those that were born in the 30s and 40s did in their whole lifetime our brains have adapted to say hey we're going to tune out most of the stuff because we have to consider it noise if we want the good stuff to bubble up we have to compete with that their attention is being pulled in a hundred different directions. And so if, if we want to recruit people on TikTok, one of the easiest things to do is get your employees to do it for you. Find out which ones are active on social media, have them post about their day, have them share about what, what they've learned or how their career is growing or what it's like to work for their boss and create a social media presence based on what your employees are actually doing. 
Now, I know there's some people listening going, well, my employees aren't allowed to have phones at the desk or in the shop or, or wherever they're at. Well, maybe that's part of what we need to do to change is to recognize that people do want to share what their day is like with their friends or, or their, their followers. And that can be huge to help you recruit people that are going to be just like them. You know, uh, here in Park City, we have a client that uh, as part of their recruiting process, what they do is they have a short little video and they're in Park City, they're in the mountains, it's beautiful. So they're outside and they have three different employees ask three different questions on this short little video. It's like a minute long, mm -hmm. uh, but they're in this beautiful scenery and uh, they ask these three questions and, and it's on video, right? And so they ask people who are interested in working for that company to submit a 90 second video of their own responding to these three questions. This is like their major evaluation mechanism for determining whether a person is going to be a good fit. If they can yeah. in 90 seconds answer these three questions on video and they make it very simple, they actually use our software, uh, but uh, they make it very simple to, you know, for the, for the person to just see the little video message, to record their own message, hit submit, and then it goes in. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's a it's a great way for them. It's very innovative. I thought you know it's like rather than yeah, yeah put the put the ad on Indeed or whatever is uh, you know they're doing it through these innovative ways. So I, I think you're right on target there with uh, empowering your employees, letting them use social media channels, take advantage of their their innate willingness to share stuff with people to also talk about your company. I think it's I think it's fabulous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know Christian, that just brings up a point. I don't think. Ryan knows about your platform you just talked about and because it seems like that could fit in exactly with what he's talking about would you just I, I'm totally putting you on the spot Ryan but Christian I want you to just share with them how you're using that uh, we built a platform to help uh, people and organizations share stories, stories. and, and uh, uh, so, so I don't want to turn, want to turn this, this into, into an, an ad, ad for, 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 for our platform, platform by any means because, because it's, it's not, not typically, typically Used, used in an, in an HR, HR or recruitment, recruitment use case. case. Uh, it's, it's, it's used, used either, either for video social proof, proof or, or um, for knowledge and learning. learning. Uh, uh, but, but there's, but there's one, one company that is using it for that use case. Um, they asked, well, yeah. could we use them? I'm like, why not? You can, you can do this. Uh, to make it very simple for people to have these kinds of video interactions with each other. And it's proven to be very, very popular with them. They, they really, really like that. Um, you know, the, the ability to just have this little video go out to the world and then have people just respond to that video and share their little, you know, videos of their own. And that's how people apply for these jobs. It's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's cool to see. It wasn't the, it wasn't the primary use case and it still isn't, but it's an interesting use case nonetheless. So, uh, yeah, it's cool. we can talk more about that offline, but thanks. Yeah, there are, there are platforms out there. In fact, yeah. we've got a, a client that's running on a new applicant tracking system that has that built in, which I thought was pretty interesting, the video interviewing. Uh, some of the issues, though, that I'm seeing with it, not that I want to turn this into a, a, a diversity conversation, but uh, it can be a real challenge if you want to be, have a more diverse workforce, especially if uh, some of the minority groups maybe aren't as technology savvy or they don't have the most advanced uh, mobile devices. It can be a real challenge if you put those in, those systems in, and they don't have access to it. It can be a really challenge for that um, in, in having more diverse workforce. So just something to caution our listeners on. 
And I think that's uh, I think that's a good point. And and but I I really like what you're saying, Christian. Is it's it's about telling the stories, and that's the same thing that that, that Ryan is saying. So that's part of the marketing process, and switching from a you know just purely fishing in those those. Uh, you know, highly fished in in ponds and going other places where where people are. That's with referrals. What else? How do we get people to hire better people faster? You've given us yeah. so many things. You you, you know playing in in, uh, in new fishing holes, uh, getting your people involved, understanding that that what motivates them. It's not just the money and the rewards. It's working with people that they love and care about, which is which is really engaging. And switching yeah, yeah. the mindset from executives to understand that this is this is an ongoing process and it has to permeate the entire organization. What so what else? I mean what yeah. else can we do? So uh, I mentioned it before. If we know that people don't leave jobs, they leave managers. We've all heard that before. Really think about how do you promote your leadership team? How do you promote the person that they're going to be working for? I, I encourage all of our clients that if you know who their hiring manager is going to be or who their supervisor is going to be, talk about them. Talk about their behaviors. Talk about their traits. Talk about their personality a little bit. What's their leadership style, their communication style? Put that in your job ad before you put it out online. Because if we know that people want to work for someone new, that's what they're looking for. They're not looking for the work. They're looking for a new employer. So let's talk more about the employer, not, not the about us history pages. We were started in 1972 and nobody cares about that stuff. Let's talk about now what's relevant today. And that's something that I think a lot of people miss because they give it to a, a compliance team. Like there's nothing wrong with HR, but they are about compliance. They follow the rules. They, they don't like change. They don't like new processes. So they take what's been done and they continue to do it. So make, so make sure that you're really getting the relevant information in front of people today. You know, Ryan, I, I think that is such an important point, and I, I, I want to emphasize this. I mean, if you think about sports today, uh, you know, college football right now, they just closed the, the transfer portal, right? And that is, it, you know, people are, are leaving coaches to go play for other coaches. It's, they, they, you know, they may love people on the team and, but ultimately, they want to they want to play for someone that they can learn from, that they can grow from, and so a lot of times uh, athletes are shopping coaches that are going to give them the best opportunity to, to grow. Is that kind of what you're talking about here? Absolutely, yeah, it, and not just the opportunity to grow. Sometimes people don't want to really grow in their career; they just want to be experts at what they do today. But they got to do it for someone else. Uh, one of the things we see a lot, and we hear a lot from employees. Uh, during exit interviews is that, oh, my boss was very passive aggressive. Like that toxicity, that thing that creates that bad environment, they're just looking for someone who's not <laughs> passive aggressive. They still want to do the same line of work. They still are going to get the same training. They still want to do the same thing with their career. They just want to work for someone else they can build a relationship with. I mean, the reality is most people spend more time with the people they work with than they do with their friends and family. We have to keep them motivated to want to leave their friends and family to come and work for us. So you have to give them an environment where they, they feel like they belong and they have fun and they, and they enjoy it. And that's ultimately gonna lead to not only higher retention, but higher productivity. Because when people enjoy the work they do, they work harder. That is so true, Christian. I know you got a question. 
Hmm. Yeah, it comes back to the timing because uh, to expand on your dating analogy, uh, companies, what you're trying to do is get companies to be honest with themselves and look in the mirror and say, okay, this is really how I am. And if I'm going to become quote unquote attractive uh, to potential employees out in the market, I need to make a number of changes. I suspect that some of those could be made quickly and others might take more time uh, depending on the nature and the structure of the organization and the people who are running it. So, but, but in your experience, you know, how quickly can these extreme makeovers, uh, you know, take place or, do you have to change everything or is it is it okay to maybe just make a couple of changes and then you know you you're, you're changing it over time and what's your what's your experience with these companies who who need to make themselves uh appear more attractive on the market yeah so the we all nobody comes to me and says hey i don't need to hire for three months like let's just work on our process and, and become more attractive they all need to hire right away and so the, the first thing that we want to make sure of is that they have a really solid communication process from application to interview. That's the first thing we want to do. One of the things that we talk a lot about is how, you know, people always ask me, how do I get an A player? How do I get a rock star? Well, here's the reality. People that are A players, people that are top performers in their field, they know it. And they're in demand and everybody's out there courting them. If you want to stand out, communicate fast and communicate effectively. So that's the first thing we work on before we worry about revamping everything else. Let's just work on the fact that when they apply, we don't call them in six days and say, we're so excited to talk to you because it's been six days. <laughs> Let's call them in five minutes and say, oh my gosh, we're so excited and actually create a really solid process going in. So, so, so don't ghost them is what you're saying? Don't ghost them. Yeah. So, but, but what if you don't want that person? Tell them, like, just tell them. I, I don't know why we just ignore people we don't want. I mean, what I, as employers, I hear this point, oh, everybody's ghosting me and no one shows up for interviews. No one wants to work anymore. Well, if we go back decades, employers have been ghosting job seekers for decades. Yeah, it's, it's a little hypocritical, it isn't it? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So... <clears throat> I mean, 90% of employers are being ghosted right now. Almost 80% of employees have been ghosted during their job search. So let's just stop ghosting each other. Uh, one of the things that we do as part of that communication process and we set up the, the system for this is if you don't like somebody, tell them right away. We don't need to think about it. If we don't like them, if they're not gonna be a fit, tell them. So how do you, what's the best way to tell them? You know, sorry, I just don't wanna go on a date with you. Well, I mean, that's a legal question. So talk to your compliance experts and your attorneys about that. But something as simple as saying, hey, you know what? You don't align to the requirements for the position. And, and so we've decided to pursue other candidates is pretty much the typical thing, but, but yeah. just tell them. So I have, you know, I have a, just a, you know, a reality check. What I see is most people who are doing the hiring are so overwhelmed that they're focused on the low hanging fruit. And that is focusing on, on the candidates they want and not taking any extra time on people that they don't want. And so, you know, in some cases, it's a matter of survival mentally, right? Well, I think part of it though, is you can leverage technology. Uh, you know, d depending on the size of the organization, <clears throat> we see these applicant tracking systems. I've mentioned it a couple of times. Uh, you know, it's like a CRM for recruiting. You can automate so much of this stuff 
to where if someone doesn't make it through the gates, they can automatically get a rejection letter. Or if you're looking at people and you're like, yeah, maybe later, you can just click a button and they automatically get the rejection email. Like you don't have to think, you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is process their application. And now you're speaking uh, our language, right, Christian? <laughs> That's absolutely right. Uh, yeah, technology can play a, a huge part, but you know, when you talk about the stars, you know, the going after the the rock stars, it made me think. Uh, coming back to Spencer's college football analogy, right? Uh, you have schools that basically have their pick of five star recruits, right? So you've yeah. got the Alabamas, the Ohio States. I mean, they can pretty much choose anybody that they want. You have other schools that may not have access to those five stars, but they've been successful because they put in processes that allow them to develop two and three star recruits, uh, even put them in positions that they normally didn't play in high school, uh, and they can be very, very successful. And I'm wondering if there's a, a parallel to that in business where, you know what, maybe maybe you aren't going to get the rock star, but if you can identify those kinds of people that are the two and three star people, that they've got some potential that maybe other people haven't seen, and you can uh, take a little time and develop them, they could become rock stars for you, but they, they're just not known right now as rock stars. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, t I tell our clients, and I do a lot of this in our workshops, is to really understand that I, I believe that past performance is not an indicator of future success, which is really contrary to what a lot of recruiting experts would tell you, because you don't know how toxic of a relationship they were in. You don't know if they were working for an organization that didn't have solid metrics or didn't hold people accountable. You have no idea how bad things could have been for them. And so when you're recruiting, you need to look at the things that are non-negotiable. And those are things that you can't or won't teach. And if we just boil it down to that, we can find these people that are not perceived as rock stars working for someone else hire them into our organization, teach them what they need to know, and they can absolutely become rock stars. And one of the primary things we need to look at is do they fit in with our culture? I can't teach somebody a value system. I can't teach somebody how to behave differently. You know, one of the ones that we run into a lot because we do a lot of work with frontline employees is can people get to work on time? Well, it, I don't know how to teach somebody to get out of bed on time and, and, and get in the carpool lane and get to work on time. I don't know how to teach that. So that needs to be part of my interview process is, can they get to the interview on time? Because if they can't, I can promise you, they're never gonna show up to work on time. And so what are those non-negotiables? And if we just focus on those, like those, those smaller colleges might focus on, what are the things that are gonna say, hey, this is someone with potential that fits in with who we are and they'll be engaged and they'll have that heart and that drive and those things we can't teach and then we'll teach them the rest of the stuff. We'll teach them how to play in a different position. We'll teach them how uh, some different skills that maybe they've never thought they could they could uh, adopt before. I just have one more question, uh, Christian, and that is, can you share, will you share uh, just a, 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 maybe a, a success story? I know that I've had the opportunity, thanks to you, uh, Ryan, of actually working with you on a client that you've been working with for, for many years to help recruit and retrain people. And it, it's a company that had so much success, they were actually on a, on a, like a, a major television show, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you give us some examples so yeah, they of... Yeah, that one, they actually got picked up for the premiere episode of the reboot of Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe. 
And it was because they wanted someone from that industry. And every time they Googled or asked, that company kept coming up because we did such a good job of marketing who they were. And no one else in the industry was really thinking about recruiting as marketing activity. So they didn't have any marketing. So it was almost like by default, they got picked to be on that premiere of that. Uh, but you know, one of our recent uh, examples is we worked with a roofing company that had pretty much given up on taking new jobs. And we sat down with them for 90 days and we worked through building out our process. And inside of 90 days, they hired 35 roofers. And we got to the end and we met with the leadership team and they're like, I don't know what happened, but I never thought this would be possible to hire that many people in such a short period of time. And HR is like, whew, we're done. And then as soon as that happened, leadership came to them and said, we're taking on three more jobs that we originally passed on, but no one else won them. So we're taking them on. So get back to recruiting. But now they had a system that they could trust to continue uh, recruiting that people. And, and just for, for reference, in the 90 days prior, they hired one. That is perfect. That's exactly what we're looking for. And I know you're doing such a great job. It's one of the reasons why you're so busy right now. And I think that segues into your question, Christian. Yeah. So uh, this has been a fantastic conversation, Ryan. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. If our listeners or viewers want to learn more about the work that you're doing, uh, Core Matters, the Core Fit hiring method, what is the best way for them to reach out and connect with you? Go to our website at corematters.com is the easiest. We got tons of information about our process. We've got hiring tips, book downloads. I've got a free masterclass where they can learn a little bit more about our process and why it's so effective. Uh, make it really easy for them to schedule a call with my team if they want to learn more. Corematters.com. All right. Fantastic. We'll definitely be checking that out. And Spencer, uh, you're there in Vegas, but I know you are accessible by people around the world as you're helping so many people and organizations. How can uh, our viewers and listeners uh, reach out and connect with you? You know, the easiest way, LinkedIn. Just find me, Spencer Horn, on LinkedIn. I get so many reach outs on, on that that it's, uh, that's, that's a perfect way. And Christian, likewise with uh, Ryan, do you see why I have, you know, why I have this association with this great guy? He's, uh, he's so smart, Christian, and you help so many people. I know you you're actually have to go because you're working on a major uh, uh, sporting event uh, bid, and, and so you need to go. So how can people reach you? Uh, LinkedIn as well. Uh, thank you for the kind words, uh, Spencer. Just uh, look up Christian Napier on LinkedIn. You'll find me there. So Ryan, Spencer, it was a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for having this 45-minute conversation with us and viewers and listeners. Thanks for joining us. Please uh, stay in touch and uh, subscribe and like us, and we'll see you again soon.